Well, good evening. So good to see you all. Thank you very much for being here tonight and for coming out. This is a it's been a great journey on Fight for Your Family. We've heard a lot of great topics, and tonight I'm real excited about not just just hearing about the topic, but it'll take it back to my family for learning. So we still have boys at home are still learning about this and trying to figure it out. So so grateful for Jay, who's going to speak with us in just a moment. If you're new with us tonight, Fight for Your Family is a, a ministry at Bellevue to really equip both marriage and parenting. And it's coming from the story out of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was at a place in his life where he was trying to do a really great project that God laid on his heart. But there was distractions, there was discouragement, and there was an enemy. And so at one point, Nehemiah just had to stop everything that was going on and say, okay, we got to deal with this right here. At that point, he just came forward and just simply said this. And Brian Schultz, do you mind reading this off? This is Nehemiah 4, 14. So when it got, when it just really got hectic, and you looked around, and just realized, man, people are distracted, they're discouraged. There's an enemy coming at us. He said, "Let's do this. Let's let's just stop. Let's remember the Lord. Okay, let's fight for our families." And everybody in this room, God's giving you a God-sized project, and that is to to raise your kids in a godly manner. And you've got discouragement can happen, distractions can come at you. There's certainly an enemy, not only Satan himself, but the culture can be an enemy at times. And Jay's going to probably speak to a good part of that. Um, so tonight, we just want to come to you and just remind you to remember the Lord, and, uh, and thank you for being here to fight for your families, and to be here to learn how to be equipped and uh, be armed to do all that you can uh, to keep your families uh, pointed towards the Lord. So um, with that being said, I'm going to pray for us, and I'll introduce uh, Jay. Well, Father, we praise your name, and we thank you for how good you are to us, and thank you that tonight we can look to your word and be reminded that you are trustable, and that we can remember you and look to you. Lord, you've given us children, they're a gift from you, and you've put in us all that we need through your Holy Spirit within us and through your word, Lord, to raise them in a way that would glorify you. So tonight, I pray you'd give Jay wisdom, I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as he teaches us, I just pray you'd give us a, a sweet fellowship as we discuss all things digital life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, well, Jay Stevenson, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, Jay and I are friends. He is our next-gen pastor, which means that he is over fourth grade all the way through young adult singles. So he's got a bunch of folks that he leads and a bunch of stuff happening at the church he's over. Most importantly, though, he's got his own family he's working and leading and uh, working through digital life stuff in his family, too. So, Jay, glad to have you tonight. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Tim, thank you for letting me be here. Uh, I'm going to introduce myself in a second, uh, give you a little more context to who I am, but let me get a feel for who's in the room. How many of you have children in the home? All right. How many of you have had children that have left the home? Okay. How many of you have, your oldest is not 13 yet? Okay. How many of you, your youngest is already 13? Okay. We're kind of all over the map, so that helps. Um for me, I've been at Bellevue for about 10 years. I'm the next-gen pastor, which basically is just a glorified title for I get to work with a lot of different people, and that's a blessing here. We have some great staff members, and so I get to work alongside our fourth and fifth grade, middle school, high school, college, and young adult ministries. And uh, we've got some great uh, leadership in those ministries that are pouring into your students each and every week, and I get to kind of come alongside them and help them out. I did start as the middle school pastor here. I think middle school students are the awesomest students in the world, if awesomest is even a word you can use there. 
Um, I love that age group. I know immediately some of you have just turned your paper over and said, I don't really care what he has to say if he thinks middle schoolers are cool. Uh, but I do. I love that age group. I've been working a lot with the fourth and fifth grade as we've been looking for who's going to come and lead that ministry, and I love that age as well. And so this is uh, really kind of a dream job for me getting to do this. But one of the things that I've done over the last, well, let me go ahead and tell you a little more. I'm sorry. So I have a wife, Lindsay. She is the all-star in the family. She is amazing. She just started homeschooling our boys kind of through COVID. Um, we went home at COVID, and that's been a good fit for our family. But I have three teenagers. I have a 14, 15, and 16-year-old. Um, now, some of the things that I knew about students has deepened a little bit as I now I'm with them all the time but to be honest with you I feel like I kind of ha- understood what was coming but I've worked with students for about 20 years now um, and so I've been studying this for a long time looking at this for a long time I've actually taught on technology and digital life probably a dozen times at different places and here at Bellevue and it's been uh, to be honest with you I tell my team it's a black hole that I jump into for a week or two before I'm ready to teach and to be honest with you it's extremely discouraging and almost depressing. Um, And so I can talk for hours about this uh, because it's fascinating to me what has happened to our brains because of the digital technology that we are in, this world that we're in. And so uh, I'm not going to get much into that in this talk. We're going to do it a little differently. If some of you I know have been to that where we talked about literally with the teenagers and their brains, but we're not going to get into that. I'm going to take more of a, a kind of a big picture approach to this. And so as we look tonight, let me give you some caveats. Number one, I'm not an expert in technology, all right? I am what, I don't know what the number of hours it is before you're classified as an expert in anything, but I have worked with students for a long time. And I know a lot about the way students think and a lot about the way students act. And I have studied technology and this digital kind of journey we're on a whole lot. So while I'm not an expert, I do feel like I can at least point you in the right direction on a lot of different stuff. All these books that are up here are only the books in my office that were on technology and your students, all right? This doesn't have anything to do with parenting and the brain and all that other stuff. This is just technology, and so I can point you to some good resources after that. And so one of the things, too, you need to know is there are going to be some things tonight that I'm going to say that you don't like, agree with, or probably even believe. That's okay. Um, how many of us know that the American Pediatric Association said you're not supposed to let your zero, one, zero or one-year-old kid watch any screen at all? All right, now how many of us did that, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Those baby Einstein videos are great, right? I mean, the song, I mean, it was perfect for my one-year-old, right? But no, you're not supposed to even have a screen, and most of us just realize, wow, I've already failed, right? Uh, Because I let my child, when they were born, have a screen or whatever it may be. Um, And so a lot of the things that you're going to hear, you may not understand, you may not agree with, but I feel like you need good information to be able to make decisions in your home. I feel like you need to be exposed to correct information because, let's be honest, our culture is not going to say a lot of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. I'm not against technology, but our culture is surely not saying you should limit that. All right? They're surely, I mean, and the advertisers and all the things out there are wanting more FaceTime with your students. And so I want you to have good information, so that's why we're going to jump into this uh, tonight. I want to kind of paint a picture for you. I had a conversation with an older gentleman one time, and we got to talking about pornography on the phones and how big a deal it was. And this gentleman just said, you know, what's the big deal? He said, you know, when I was a kid, we had a magazine 
that a kid in the neighborhood had. We all went. We looked at it. You know, it didn't kill me. What's the big deal? And I painted the picture for this gentleman that what would it be like if you had that magazine in your pocket 24-7 and you could look at it anytime you wanted to. How much schoolwork do you think you would get done? How many chores do you think you would do? Now imagine that you had unlimited amount of magazines and videos in your pocket. How much do you think? And this person, they were kind of like, not thought about it that way, right? Or for many of you, think about this. If there was a this is what I grew up with. If there was a white van parked out front of Bellevue and there was a, a sketchy looking gentleman handing out candy to little kids saying, come over here to my van, what would we all do? Three, four, seven, five, 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 security, get out here, right? We would immediately think that. Interesting thing is it's a good TED talk, but kidnapping is the number one fear most parents have of their child. Do you know that kidnapping does not top the top 5,000 dangers for children? Now, kidnapping outside of a family member, so you have to caveat that. But think about it. This perceived threat is not a real threat. However, let me paint a picture. Did you know that teenagers online, one in seven, will come across an online predator? One in seven. And one in 25 will be propositioned in a given year to meet offline. Four percent doesn't sound like a lot, but when you say one in 25, I guarantee we can get to 25 in this room. How many of us are cool with our child being propositioned to meet an online predator in person? But most of the time, we don't think about our phones or our, our social medias and all those things being that kind of danger, right? And so I want you to understand there is a real danger. There is a real um, awareness that we need to have, not just with social media when they're 15 and 16 and 17, but even when they're playing games, when they're seven, because that's now a medium to connect with other people, right? When they're watching TV, when they're six, and all these things in between. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to kind of go big picture. I'm going to talk themes and big issues. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of details. Um, I'm going to try to do this. I told Tim, I'm going to try to do this in like 25 minutes. Now, for some of you who've been in here before, you're laughing right now, right? Because I love to talk, and I can talk for a long time. But I'm going to try to do this for 25 minutes so that we can have the back end of our time for questions. Because I found that in a room like this, when we talk about these things, it's usually this felt need that you have when you walked into the room going, I hope he talks about this, Right? And so I want to give time for you to ask those questions. Now, some of you may say, I'm not asking that out loud because I only have one kid, and they're going to know I'm talking about my kid. So I've written my cell phone number on the board. Um, I know this is being recorded, so I don't care that they have my cell phone, but I'd rather not say that out loud and go out everywhere. Uh, so if you want to text me, I might have your number in my phone, but I won't read who it's from. So then I can ask the question if you want to do that, all right? So you can text that at any time, but we'll do questions on the back end. And so I want us to talk through. We said navigating your child's life. So navigation, if you were looking at navigating, number one, you've got to know where you're going. You've got to know where you are, and you've got to know how to get there. So that's kind of the way we're going to break up this talk. We're going to first look at if we're navigating our child's digital life, where are we trying to get with our child? Now, not even digitally. Where are we trying to get? What does it look like at 18, right, when they graduate and they're gone? And many times we don't think about that, or maybe we think very shallow about it. We think, I hope they don't go to jail. I hope they're not in jail. I hope they're liked by everybody. I hope that they're popular. I hope that, um, that life is somewhat easy. I hope they don't doubt their faith. 
I'll be honest, those are very small goals. Now, the jail part would be nice if they don't go to jail, right? But I even encourage in student ministry, we encourage parents, it's okay that your student doubts their faith. Because if they doubt their faith when they're at home with you, who are they going to walk through it with? You. If they doubt their faith when they're a freshman in college at University of Tennessee at Knoxville, who knows who's going to give them the answers when they doubt their faith. And so I think it's the same thing when it comes to our digital life. But we look at what are some of those goals? Where are we going? First of all, I think, this is me, and you can fill in the gaps. I want my student to trust people. I want them to learn how to trust authority. I want them to learn that they can trust me, that I'm not going to lie to them. I want to learn how to trust their friends and be a trustworthy person themselves. I want to establish this trust in them when they, when they get out and they're on their own. I want them to be owners, not renters. Owners of their faith. I don't want them to leave and go and say, well, my mom and dad go to this church, so that's what I do. I want them to go, no, this is what I believe about who God is. I want them to take ownership for their mistakes. I want them to go out and mess up and say, I did that. I need to clean that up. I need to apologize. I want to be an owner, not a renter. I say owner, not a renter. Renter is somebody that's like, it's not my responsibility. You know, an owner, not a renter, walks by trash in the church. An owner picks it up. Says, it's not the housekeeping job. It's my job. This is my church. I'm going to pick up the trash. A renter says, somebody else will do that. I want my child to be an owner. I want them to be responsible. I want them to have foundational identity in Christ. I want them to know their foundation is in who Christ says they are because we live in a world that continues to say you can be whoever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. And I want my, my, my boys to know who they are in Christ. Christ says that He created them for a purpose. Christ says that He designed them for a purpose. Christ says that He loves them, that He has the answers for them. I want my child to look at Somebody look up Proverbs 22.6 for me. I want my, my child to know, I want my child to know who God created them to be. Who's got Proverbs 22.6? Somebody read that loud and proud for me. See if our phone people beat the written word people. There we go. I had the same, same thing here. That's why you're reading it, not me. So there you go. We have to know where we're going. If we don't know where we're going, how are they going to know to hold to that when they leave? They need to understand it's not about how much screen time they have. It's not about what social media, how many likes they have. It's not about what's most enjoyable to watch on TV. They need to understand what is truly important to you so that you can instill that in them. So as we talk about that digital life, we need to understand, first of all, where we're going. Second of all, what are the challenges to get there? Now, I want to kind of go here to the digital side because there's a lot of challenges and both digitally and just in our world. But from a digital standpoint, what are some of the challenges increased by technology? Once again, I told you I'm not against technology. I have a phone. I love that I can walk into any room in my house and there's this wonderful lady that tells me what the weather is, what time of day it is, and she plays all my favorite songs. Her name's Alexa. Is anybody having Alexa in your house? You were thinking I was talking about Lindsay. I would not do that to my wife. Lindsay, what's the weather today? Right? You don't do that. Um, but I love technology, so I have nothing against that. But there are some challenges that we see. 
First of all, one of the things we see with our digital life is that we have a lack of attention span. Now, I'm going to say we a lot. You can apply this to your children. I just feel like I'm throwing them under the bus, but it is all of us struggle with this, right? Uh, they said the average attention span, I think in the last two years was the study, went from 12 seconds to 8 seconds. So we lost 33%, right, of our attention span. We realize that as a pastor. When I'm talking to students, I'm like, you've got to hit them quick. You've got to be able to grab their attention fast, and usually you lose their attention. That's why we have hooks throughout the sermon. Point two, and everybody goes, oh, point two, I better wake up, right? And you're, some of y'all are going, oh, I have that too, right? <clears throat> Lack of attention span. We have to realize, here's what's interesting. It takes three hours of one constant thing in a given day to change the way your brain works. The average time that a teenager is on a screen in a given day is nine hours and that doesn't count school think about that for a second nine hours a day they're in front of a screen that's not talking about a phone I'm talking about screens right because we have TVs we have iPads we have all these other things they're on in front of a screen for nine hours a day so you can say they've changed the way their brain is wired three times or it's been ingrained three times as quick. And so when you begin to think how they think, how they're wired, and we, we I didn't really want to get into this, but I love it so much. Um, this book, Screens and Teens, is a great book, but it's the lies that are created. Um, one of the, the things is that I'm the center of the universe. Now think about this. Your child, your student, has a Netflix account. They watch something on Netflix, and the next time they turn on Netflix, what happens? It pulls up and says, here's some other shows you might like. Huh, this is awesome. Netflix knows who I am, right? They go to Spotify. They listen to a couple songs. Next thing you know, hey, here's some playlists you might like. Wow, this is great. I'm the center of the universe, right? And so we realize that technology, this digital life that we're living in, it kind of changes them. For most of us, we grew up, I use the joke, my dad taught me real quick, I was not the center of the universe. He was, right? Because he had the one TV in the house. And whatever he wanted to watch, that's what we watched. Right? I mean, and that's the way it went. Whatever he, that's what we watched. What do we have now? We have private screens. Oh, you're watching that one? I'm going to go in the other room. Oh, I don't have a TV in my bedroom. I'm going to go watch the iPad. Oh, you've got the iPad, the iPad better dad. I'm going to watch my phone. Right? And so we immediately, this lack of attention, this, un, this uh, inability to be able to focus. Another challenge, need for acceptance. Need for acceptance. When I was in high school or middle school, I had the wonderful joy of going to school with my now wife at the time was just a woman who didn't know I even existed, really. Um, she did know I existed. We were friends, but she did not think I existed in the same way uh, that I wanted to exist in her mind. Uh, so I was trying to garner her attention. And so I can remember, it was after one of the classes, I don't remember, it was third or fourth period, but I can remember that whole entire class. I knew that if I timed it just right when I left class, that I would pass her in the hallway. Now, she wasn't going to alter her plan for me, so I knew this is kind of how she does her day, every day. And if I timed it just right, I could, oh, casually, hey, Lindsay, how are you? And I casually pass her, right, and hope that just for a minute, right, that she would notice me. That she would maybe smile. She would talk to me. Whatever result happened, I knew, okay, I've got to wait another day. Imagine your students when it comes to social media. 
when it comes to other things that they're seeing as far as messaging, that they have that all day long. I sent the text to my friend, why have they not responded? Do they not like me? What's the deal? I posted this on social, why has nobody liked it yet? Why did this person get so many likes? This person posted how much they love their friends, I'm not in one of the pictures. Do they not think I'm one of their friends? They have this need to be in the middle of what's going on. They don't want to miss out. FOMO, fear of missing out, right? I'll even scare you just a little bit more. I read an article and it was talking about they were interviewing these students and this one girl said that there was this guy that moved to their school that everybody thought was so attractive and that it became the thing at school that they started sending him nude pictures just to get his attention because nobody could get his attention. When you talk about their need for acceptance, this is huge when it comes to the digital life, when it comes to how they connect with others, when it comes to the messaging, when it comes to how connected they are. We know this. Our teenagers are always connected, but they're connected because of that need to be accepted by others. Now, a whole lot of things we can jump from there about us as parents and how do we establish, once again, where we're going, this foundational identity that you are accepted in Christ, not for what you do, but who you are. And we think about this struggle, this challenge they have. Anxiety. Another challenge. Anxiety. Now, we can spend all day on here and you can say, this is not true. They just need to suck it up and move on. Or you can say, this is a big deal. Here's the thing. I do think there is a lot more that they are experiencing now than many of us ever experienced in the idea of feeling anxious, of feeling like you never measure up. Imagine when you go to school, you can look around and you can immediately see, how do I measure up? I'm going to dress like everybody else. I'm going to fit in. Okay, we're good. Now imagine you pull your phone out or you watch TV or you watch a movie or anything else. And now all of a sudden it's not just the people that you're around at your school physically. It's you're everybody in the world. You're not comparing yourself to the friend in class. You're comparing yourself to every friend you have on social media. You're comparing yourself to every movie that said this is what girls are supposed to look like. Go into the whole other black hole of pornography, how sex has changed because young ladies have watched pornography because that's the way guys want to have sex. It's changed the way they even are intimate with the opposite sex. So when we start to look about the challenges and we start to think about what does it look like, these students, the, the children, are constantly feeling like, I don't hit that mark. And so that creates in them this anxiousness. Now, we can get into the anxiousness and the anxiety on the other side of how they're constantly feeling. I was talking to one of our team this week. Constantly feeling the pressure to be what everybody else needs them to be. They get a snap. You've immediately got to answer that snap. You get a text. You've immediately got to answer that text because that student is thinking what? You're ghosting me? Why aren't you care about me? Why aren't you paying attention to me? And so there's this constant, and here's the thing. I'm saying this. And saying it out loud as an adult, I can know what you're saying. You're saying, they're kids, they need to get over it. But in their world, it is reality. In their world, it may not be paying the bills. It may not be losing a job. It may not be keeping a roof over their head. But in their world, 
all they know is this is everything because it's my friends. And if I lose my friends, what do I have? That is their world. And so there's this constant pressure all the time because they're always connected. They can't ever disengage. I read something this week that talks about, I think commercials have it really figured out with TV shows. They take a break every 7, 10 minutes. I think many times digitally we should probably take a break every 7 or 10 minutes. Say, whoo, let my eyes refocus, right? And just see, oh, there's a world out here. Wow, look at this, right? That's the whole deal with gamers. If you've got any gamers in your house, right? You are in control in the game. And that time just spirals out of control in a game. And so you can be playing a game. People literally have died playing the game too long because they don't get up and take care of themselves. And so you can be playing this game for hours and hours and you're in control. And then mom says, come eat dinner. And you go, how dare you tell me what to do? A, B, C, D, D. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not in a game anymore. I can't control what mom says. Wait a minute, I'm not in control of this world. That's a big deal. And so there's this anxiety, that they, this tension of going, I want to control. Anxiety. Um, isolation. Now, this was one that, to be honest with you, I don't want to get too much into because I don't know that I fully understand it, but it is everywhere. It's, it's proven to be true that our teenagers are more isolated now than ever. They're more lonely now than ever. But yet, didn't I just say they're more connected now than ever? But it goes to the study. It was, a, it was a, some kind of documentary I watched a long time ago. But it was asking these teenagers, we'll give you a choice. You can go to a mall or to a park or whatever with your best friend. And y'all can spend an hour or two there being together. Or you can have no friends. Oh, sorry, let's go back. Mall, park with your best friend and no phone. Or you can be in your room by yourself with your phone. Which would you choose? Every student that was in this, on this documentary, they said, I want to be in my room on my phone. Because why? I'm with my friend. That's a good thing. But what else am I missing out on? What else am I missing out on? But when I have my phone, I know everything that's going on. But let's keep that spiral going because we're all going, what? They have their phone. They know what's going on. But what do they feel? Left out. Because they're... They see the party. They see the other things. They see all the fun people are having, right? Because they see everybody's front stage, not their backstage, right? They see their great dinner, and they're going, Mom made me mac and cheese with hot dogs in it. That's not good. You know, nobody posts that, right? They post the fancy dinner, right? The big steak that Dad cooked, whatever it may be. And so there's this isolation that they feel. They're never uh, involved with the group. Uh, a couple others, just real quick. Challenges, early exposure. Um, this is... A whole nother talk I could do a different time. I think our teenagers are not fully prepared to make the decisions and the assessments that they're having to make with their digital life. They are watching. We And that's where it goes to us as adults. I think knowledge is not necessarily always a good thing. I don't necessarily need to know every evil that's going on all over the world all the time. It's really depressing. And our students are having to make decisions. What do I think about politics? Because am I going to wear a mask or not wear a mask? What do I think about this thing and this war and this thing? And should I post about this or not post about this? And what are people going to think about me if I do this and I don't? They're constantly having to make decisions and assessments on things. If I don't like that picture, does that mean that they think I'm not supportive of them, even though I'm not supportive of what happened there? And they're having to make assessments and they're having to make judgment calls that they're not ready for. A couple other things, challenges, uh, bullying. We could go a whole long way in there with cyberbullying and all that kind of stuff. People will say things behind a screen that they won't normally say. Um, we deal with that here at church a lot. Um, I'll be honest, I rarely respond to a mean text or a mean email, but I will always call you 
and I would be glad to meet with you. But most people will not say verbally or talk to you face to face the same way they would if they were texting or emailing. We know that as adults, right? We all deal with that. It's times a thousand with students. They'll, they'll, they'll write anything on there, but they're not going to say anything. And so that's a, that's a big deal. Bullying is a big deal. And then predators, and we talked about that a little bit. It's all over the place, guys. It's all over the place of primarily males trying to take advantage of females or take advantage of young children for their own pleasure in ways that we none of us want to even think about. And it's just the nature of the beast. That wouldn't happen if they didn't have that medium many times because then there would be simply proximity of, of their physical body, not just their digital life. Okay? So challenges, uh, there's another, you can write this down, Proverbs 6, 20 through 23. Uh, it talks about, my son, do not forget my father's instructions, but carry them with you. They will be a light to you. They will shine. They will show you how you're supposed to. Don't forget these things that your mother taught you. It's the same idea as we saw in Proverbs 22. But it's the idea of all of these challenges God's word speaks to. All of these challenges we speak to our students many times, but they don't hear us because maybe we don't take the time to listen and help them hear it. Or maybe they're hearing it so loud from the other stuff. Let's look at the last thing. And these are the disciplines. I've got like six minutes. Woo, I've got to fly. All right. Maybe I won't have any questions. We'll come back and dig in some more. I don't know. We'll see. Um, these are the disciplines. How do we get there? Navigation. All right. We know where we're going. We know where we are. Now, how do we get there? And I, I referenced a little bit the public and private screen. I think we need to understand that. We, we went away from, as a family, watching a show, talking about the show, having a shared common experience, to now everything's private. Everything's on their own. And we've got we've to process through that as a family and go, wait a minute. It's probably not best for everybody to walk in and be on a screen separate of each other when we're together and we call it family time. That's not really family time. Just because we're in the room together, we're not really together. And so you've got to think about what are some of these structures, what are some of these things that I'm going to put in place that help me get where I'm wanting to go. All right? Uh, first thing, communication. This has nothing to do with digital life. You've got to talk to your students. You've got to talk to your children. I don't care if your child's 2 or 3 or 23. You've got to communicate with your students. When we talk about having the talk with your student about sex and helping you be the one communicate that information, not them Googling what, does, what is sex, right? You want to have an open line of communication that when they hear something at school, they come home and they say, Mom, what does this mean? And you go, oh, my gosh, what? Right? we got to work on that face, that I'm not surprised face. This was good. Thank you for asking me what that horribly graphic word is. That is beautiful, right? We've got to work on that, and we've got to have that communication. We've got to listen. We've got to ask questions. And you say, I did ask a question, and they didn't respond in three seconds, and they kept looking at their phone, so I threw something at them and walked out of the room. That's not communicating, right? They don't need you to talk to them. They need you to listen to them. Sit down sometime and ask, why do you play this game? What do you enjoy about this game? What TV shows have you been watching? What do you like about these TV shows? You've got to communicate. Separate of the digital thing with our students, the one thing I would tell you for students that they would say about their parents is their parents don't care or don't listen to them. 
all the time. It's not true. I don't believe it's true. If your students came to me and said, my parents don't care about me, I wouldn't believe them. But I'm not going to say, you're crazy. Stop it. Right? I'm going to say, why do you think that? And most of the time, it's something that we don't listen. We don't take the time. We're on our phone. When they walk in, we, we don't look up from our phone. We say, hey, how'd it go? And we don't look up from our phone. You know, because they say, it was horrible. It's the worst night of my life. And we're like, okay, good. And they walk off, right? We've all been there. We've got to communicate. Second thing, you've got to know the basics. You've got to know the basics of the digital life. What are the apps that everybody's on? You don't have to know how they all work, but you need to at least understand the difference between TikTok and Snapchat. What are those things? You need to understand the difference between a router filter, right, and a software filter, whatever other words, right? You need to understand the basics. You're like, Jay, I don't have a clue. It doesn't take long to get on the Internet and figure out all those things I just said. You need to understand the basics. You need to understand the messaging. I didn't realize that, I mean, like, here's the basics for me. It shows you how old I am, and I'm teaching you all about technology. When I text Lindsay, we communicate information back and forth. You're picking up the voice. I'm pricking up dinner. Prick, pricking. I'm picking up dinner, right? We're communicating. My kids and your kids have conversations. What you doing? Where are you? What's it feel like in there? Is it hot? You cold? What'd you have for lunch? Was it good? And I'm like, why? Just talk to them. Like, what is the point of this back and forth, right? But it's constant in a group message. So now you've got that magnified times seven, right? They're having conversations, okay? You need to understand that. You need to know that they're having that. How do they message each other? What is a, a chat on Spotify? What is a chat on this game? What are those things? And at least have a basic understanding of these things. Intentionality. You've got to have intentionality. And this goes probably to where you're giving rules or where you're explaining the why. If your child is engaging in their digital life, Okay? I'm talking about from a 4-year-old watching screens to a 14-year-old wanting a phone to a 19-year-old wanting social media. All the way across that board, we need to be intentional to think, what, how do I explain this boundary? How do I explain this rule? How do I explain this safeguard? Hey, I just don't want you on your phone at night. Period. Done. Well, explain why. Why? Because most of the time, our, our filter, personally, is, is lower at night. We're tired. That's when Satan's going to attack us most, and we're going to click on something that we probably wish we wouldn't have. Because when you're watching TV at night, to be honest with you, you get bored, you start looking for all kinds of stuff, and there's probably not really good stuff on TV late at night, right? And so you need to be able to not, uh, process through. I would also say, as you enter a new digital world, you need to be very intentional in talking about what are your expectations in that world. For example, a phone. Your child asks for a phone. They want a phone. You need to be very clear with what your expectation is of their use of that phone. Hey, this is yours. Do anything you want with it. Have a great time. Just answer me whenever I call. Is that your expectation? Or, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give you a phone. You're going to only have it certain times a day. There's only going to be certain apps that you're going to have. Privacy is not a thing you are entitled to because you have this phone. There are no codes that I don't know. You ever delete anything, I will cut your head off. I'm sorry, I will be mad at you, right? 
Intentionality. Why are you doing that? Giving them that. Age-appropriate teaching. As your child gets to appropriate age, which we can talk about if we want to, for social media. You need to talk to them. All right, how do we navigate social media? What does it mean for likes and not likes? How do you like other certain things? Let's look at how does Facebook, well, they wouldn't get on Facebook. How does, what's, what's the thing? Instagram, yeah, there we go. How does Instagram work? Instagram makes a lot of money off getting you to click on different things, and they're going to they're gonna pr- talk to them about it. What does that look like? Talk to them about how if there's somebody that's posting things inappropriate, you can mute them. You don't have to continue to look at that. You can, without being mean to them, just say, I don't want to look at it anymore. I don't know how to do it. I usually give it the phone to Lindsay or one of the boys, and they do it for me. But you can do that, right? Talk to them. Age-appropriate teaching. You've got a young lady or a young man gets in an awkward situation with some friends, and they want out. Talk to them. Look, hey, you can text me, come get you, and I won't ask any questions. I'll come get you. You can always tell them, my dad said I've got to come home, and when you call me, I'll say you had to come home. Give them an out. Talk to them about it. Prepare them for that. Set boundaries. And this is a big one we can talk about, but I want to get into the questions here in a second, so I won't get into too many specifics. Time and place. What are the boundaries? Um, Andy Crouch, TechWise Family, great book talking about boundaries. Hey, is there a time of night that all phones are put in one place? Is there a time of night that all screens go off? Is there a day of the week that all phones are off? Is there a dinner table all phones are off? Is there a place where we say, hey, on Saturday mornings we don't watch TV, we eat breakfast together? What are the boundaries in the digital life? You need to create boundaries because if not, then it continues to permeate and it goes everywhere. Number, I don't know number, but model the behavior would be the next thing. And I use this a lot for parents. Here's the deal. If you say no phones at dinner, that means no phones at dinner for anybody. Now, here's what happens, and I've, I, my name is Jay, and I've done this, all right? I will know there's something important that's going to happen in my world. There's something going on, and I'll hear my phone ding. I'll say, guys, I'm sorry, but I need to look at this. And I'll leave the table to look at that. What if I just communicated to my kids? There's something more important than me. I've just communicated to my kids. When it's important enough... I'm not that important. Now, they don't realize that that may have meant a a huge business deal that took care of your family for the whole year. They don't know that. And you don't even tell them. They don't really care. Most of our teenagers don't care how much money you make. They don't care how big the house is. They care that you care. And so you set these boundaries and you put these things in place. Then you need to model them. You need to say, hey, this is something I need to do. Because in here, we all fall prey to it, right? We go in the room at night, dinner, everybody's tired. Somebody turns on the TV, they're watching TV. Whew, I'm bored. I'm not modeling that I'm in the room. I'm letting those students know that whatever's on here or whatever's on, I'm going to go over here, is more important to them. And so we have to model that behavior. And then the last thing, be the parent. Talking about disciplines that we need in the digital life, you need to be the parent. At the end of the day, nothing is secretive. Nothing is code that you don't know about. But you need to be the parent. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, where are we trying to go? Are you trying to be the cool parent? Because you can be the cool parent when your 11-year-old asks for a phone. And I'm not saying you're bad if your 11-year-old has a phone. 
But I've got a 15 and a 14-year-old that do not have phones. They have survived. They may be the only ones at Bellevue, minus a couple others that I know of. And they remind me of that. And our own ministry sometimes hurts me in that. I had to apologize to my kid two weeks ago because everything was about go get the QR code. And I walked up to my 10th grader, and I was really sad. I said, I'm so sorry, bud. You're going to have to figure out a way to figure out where you're supposed to be. But we've made the decision. I'm okay with hurting his feelings. I'm okay with feeling sad as a dad in that moment because I've said I don't want him to have that yet. And so I think the same thing. I know it's your favorite show. We're not going to watch it. Turn the TV off. I know that life is miserable, but you're grounded. And you're not getting screens. I know you think you're old, but you're 14 and you're not getting social media. Period. And that's hard. That's tough. But nobody said parenting was easy, right? So those are just a couple things. So here's the deal. I want to just open it up for questions. I can go deeper in 99% of this stuff, especially in the disciplines, the things that we uh, can do. But I want to look at and hear from you. What are some questions you have? Um, Lindsay, can I give you my phone for you to look at and see if anybody texts? So Because I'm going to sit there and be reading that text about something I've got this weekend, and I'll be distracted, and I won't pay attention. So what questions do you have? Lindsay wasn't listening to me. Thanks, Grace. No, it's fine. You're good. Yeah, well, you got to call security on that. All right, questions about challenges, questions about disciplines. What you got? What you got? Yeah, no, I can give you the, the ones we promote, yeah. A couple things you need to know. Number one, no filter is 100%. You're just not going to, and so a filter can't be the thing that keeps your student or child from finding something. They can find it. They can get around the system 100 times out of 100 if they want to. What filters do is they keep us from accidentally coming on something. Filters keep us from when we're trying right? They don't allow accidentally things to happen. And so router is what where the internet comes into your home. The router then routes the, the signal to all these devices. So anything that's hooked to your Wi-Fi in the house will be filtered through that router. And you can put a filter on that. Disney Circle is one that we recommend that I use in my home and I like. Bark. I think, Tim, y'all use Bark. Bark has one as well. Um, a lot of the actual routers that you will buy have a filter built into them. And you can set those. Those will allow you both to uh, uh, filter explicit content, but also filter when the signal goes out. So you say, I want it all shut off at 10 o'clock. Now, that means nothing's coming through at 10. No, nothing for you either, right? You're watching a movie, all fun and games. You're watching a movie at 10 o'clock. It's like, 
no signal. And you're like, oh, man, i got to go into the router. And so it, it will do a lot of that. So that's the router filter, and that will filter anything that's on the router. Now, here's the other deal. You've got devices when they leave the home, and that's a whole other thing. We use Disney for that as well, and it will allow you to create a VPN on that device. So then it filters everything when it leaves the home as well. But once again, all those things are not 100% safeguards. They are guardrails, but they can still jump over the guardrail, if you will. Um, so that's router filters, BART, Disney Circle. You've got um, Covenant Eyes, Triple uh, X Church, a, a lot of those that provide those kind of services. But a lot of those are built in, so you really don't have to spend even any more money. Um, I think Xfinity even has that in their product, so you don't have to spend any more money to get that. But I would suggest that. What that does is protects, and, and for a lot of us, is you send a, a, your student to someone else's house. If they don't have that and you don't have that on your student's device, they can access to anything. So if nothing else, it protects from guests who are in your home not showing things to your child. Um, and you want to filter that. Now, once again, they go off the filter or the router and do data, then it's just the device. Well, first of all, realize they still sell flip phones. So uh, I have, there have been numerous parents I've called over the years, and t or they called, and I've told them that, and they're like, really? Like, they still sell those? I'm like, yes, ma'am, they do. <laughs> they still sell those. So that's one thing. Um, the VPN, a uh, virtual private network, and I don't understand how it all works, but you install that on the phone. Now, there are ways, once again, to turn that off and things, but then it will notify you when it's turned off. And so, once again, it goes back to, and it, you're asking Jay who's in my house. We, we did not allow phones till they were driving and they were older. So at that point, we've already had all the conversations about pornography, about relationships, about their identity. We've had all these conversations. So when I get, and, and I'm not outing my kid here, all right, I'm just saying, when I get the notification that Disney Circle has not connecting with this phone, doo -doo -doo -doo. Q, what's going on, bud? How you doing? Everything good? You know, I'm checking on him. So, you know, because then it's we've already had these conversations that that is something Satan's going to use in his life with with all those things. And once again, I, my kids know their pastor's kids, so I'm not outing my kids. But it is a conversation. If you're not having your kids already dealing with it as a 10 year old, not even with their phone, but the things they're watching on TV. Right. I mean, anything you can encounter things you wouldn't want them to see. So that would be the biggest thing. If you don't trust them or that's a struggle, the flip phone is possible. Um, you know, there's. Then there's VPNs and all those other things. I was going to say they don't have to have a phone. It really is hard with navigation, but at the same time, I didn't have a phone when I started driving, and I survived. But then I was going to say, but there are also pay phones, and they really don't have those anymore. And let's be honest, at night, if some kid knocked on your door, you would be kind of freaked out. Like, why is this kid here? Like, my parent won't let me have a phone, and so I just walked to your house because I ran out of gas. That's not really common. So, yeah, so you have to figure that out. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, and that's that's the biggest thing I would tell you on that data. But the other thing is just talking to them. And you can put filters. Those are the filters you can put on your phone that allows that, period, just on the phone. But then you've got, and as I said, most people have a phone and an iPad and a, you've got to have a filters on all of those things.
They do. And I, I asked Grace and Morgan to step in here as they may help, and they may have something. But I would say all of our students, large majority, would say they absolutely know more than their parents. And they absolutely can get around their parents, which goes to be the parent. And so it goes to that trust. Hey, I'm sorry. We're not going to allow you to have this phone. Period. Figure it out. Um, I, will, I will out my son on this one. The first time he got in trouble, he had his phone. First time he got in trouble, we took his phone for a week. And uh, he was getting ready to go somewhere. And this is just me. He was getting ready to go somewhere. I said, like, we got to let him have his phone to Lindsay. And she was like, no, we don't. I'm like, well, yeah, well, yeah man, he's going to be in the car. He needs his phone. And she's like, no, he's grounded from his phone. And so for a week, he drove around with no phone. And, I, you know, hopefully he checked how much gas he had before he left. But he survived, and he made it. And so, but, yeah, you're right. And that's where I say that communication. That's why I start with that one. It's just having that conversation. Hey, you can. But let me, I mean, and it's what I said to my boys when they were little. And if we were doing the talk, I would say this. Let me tell you what my expectation of you is and the opposite sex. It is my desire that the first naked woman you ever see is on your wedding night. That's what I told them. That was, that's my desire. And I'm going to do everything I can to help you in that. Now, whether or not that happened is not a discussion I will have in here. But I will tell you, they know that that's where I come from. They know that that's the expectation I have is that when something comes across the screen that makes them think Satan's going to tempt me to look at this too long, they know dad would not want this. And dad has given me outs to how I can get away from this situation because we've had those conversations. And so you're right. It, it's, there's no 100%, but you do have to, you can put some of those other things in place, if you will. Other questions? I'm really hoping Quentin's not listening to this. Sorry. Just kidding. Quentin's a great kid. Quentin Stevenson is awesome. I love him. This is being recorded. That's the only reason I did that. So, All right, questions. What you got? This is a perfect segue. I was, let me tell you this, and that will answer that question, and then I'll give you a little bit more. So this book talks about the five lies um, that our students are seeing and learning from digital life. So this is, I think, fascinating when I think about even a five-year-old and how quickly they can navigate an iPad. And you all have all seen it probably, right? The lie, I'm the center of my own universe. I talked about that a minute ago, right? Everything's catered for me. Every time I get on something, it's all catered. Number two, I deserve to be happy all the time. If you don't like it, flip to the next thing. This show's boring, go to the next one. How many of us watched an episode of Andy Griffin? We're like, this is so boring, but there's nothing else to watch, so we just got to watch till the end. And it's just like, and maybe I'm older than y'all and y'all don't know Andy Griffith, but, I mean, it's just like, this is so boring, right? And you get bored. Yeah, there you go. Did you know that it, it, cre it creativity kicks in after 20 minutes of boredom? And most of the time, our, our children are not bored. They deserve to be happy all the time. They have to constantly get that next hit of endorphins. Um, I must have choices. Everything they do has a drop-down menu. You know, in black, brown. I mean, even the Alexa, she'll light up in different colors, right? I mean, I have to have choices. You know, hey, Mom, what's for dinner? Chicken tenders, what else? No, no, it's chicken tenders. 
I want a hamburger. We're having chicken tenders, right? You've heard Brother Steve talk like that before, but that's their world. Everything's choices. Think about it. I was telling them uh, somebody the other day, we were talking through this. When I remember my dad went to buy our blue Astro van, I think it was an 86. I don't know why that number sticks in my mind. A blue Astro van. We went to the dealership. We're going to buy a blue Astro van that has no power windows, or we're going to buy a black Astro van that has like no cruise control. Those are your choices. Well, now if we want a car, we literally have a vending machine that will spit out any car, any color, with any features we want. Our students, digitally, it's teaching them they have choices. I am my own authority. They have the control, right? I remember being the remote control for my dad when I had to stand at the TV and be like, change it, change it, change it. Right? I mean, it was a great day when we got a remote control in my house. I remember that. But our students don't know that world, Right? They don't know that world. They are the authority. They get to determine what they want to watch. They get to determine what they And then information is all I need, so I don't need teachers. Information is all I need, so I don't need teachers. They feel empowered. That's a great thing, right? We love that our students feel empowered, but they feel like they are the authority. Like, I know how this works, right? I've got it all figured out. And I think even for our young Children, as they're watching TV and you think about that, how do I instill in them that I am the authority? Well, we have certain places. We watch TV. We don't just get to take it wherever we want to. We have certain times of day where we turn it off. We have certain games we still don't play. We have certain things we don't click on. We have, you know, all these things. And so you've got to think about where, once again, where am I trying to get to? And even for younger children, how do we watch that? And I, too, I mean, we don't do it well in our house. I'll just be honest. The amount of time is suggested for looking at screens is very low. Most doctors, when you talk about eyes and you talk about the blue light and you talk about watching screens, it's low in a given day, like an hour or two tops. And they're averaging nine. So I think even for that age, you've got to think about, all right, what, what rhythms are we setting in place as a family? What rhythms am I creating for my child that every time they get bored, mom, can I borrow your phone? Hey, mom, can I see your phone? Hey, Mom, I, I got to look at this. I just want to look at the weather. You know, and that's the, they're going to find a way to convince you that it's not that big a deal. And once again, I'm not trying to create you to be paranoid and walk out there going, oh, I want to bust all my TVs. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have to control, right? We have the agency. We have the control over these things. We can't allow them to control us. And for our students, and I've, I've used this illustration for years. I don't know where my phone, oh, I gave it to Lindsay and she left. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, the phone... Is, is something that helps me. It helps me communicate. It helps me see things. It, it helps me. For most of our teenagers, they've never known life separate of the phone, so it is an extension of them. It is a part of who they are. So is it a part of your rhythm that when they get bored, they watch TV? Is it a part of their rhythm? Thank you. Is it a part of their rhythm that when they have done something and they want to relax, whew, see I'm an old guy. I'm a fool. You know, you got to think about, is it every time they're tired, they go to their TV? Every time they, they feel anxious, I need to go to my TV. And that's what we see a lot with college students. We see a lot with high school students. They feel that anxiousness. Ooh, i got to check my... Now, it's, we all say that makes you more anxious. For them, no. It's, it's the endorphin hit. It's being in the middle and going, all right, I'm connected again. Right? And so those are the things I would say for youngers is just thinking about that rhythm and those things. Your place.
conversation. You know, there's, um, you look in Deuteronomy, it was one of the verses we didn't get to it, but you know, it says, um, talk about these things when you walk and when you lie down and when you go out and as a family. Let's be honest, do we talk about things of Scripture or do we talk about our digital life more in a given day? And that's humbling because we don't do that in our home. Um, the digital, our digital life, our digital footprint is larger than our spiritual footprint in a lot of situations. And so I think a lot of those things, it's talking through, why do we feel anxious about this? What is this? Is that something you need to put aside? Um, uh, talk to our team, and that, that's something they said college students and high school students, as they start to be more self-aware, once again, getting older and mature and thinking through those issues, they will know this is something that's taking over me, and they'll delete that app for a while. And if they, and they, once again, collectively, that's the cool thing about community. If they tell their friends, I've deleted that app, don't let me put that back on, because they know in their weaker moment they'll put it back on their phone. And so they delete that app because they say, I need to be away from that for a while. You know, it's why I encourage a lot, I encourage all of you, you need to have a digital Sabbath. And that's one thing we talk about in, in um, TechWise family. He talks about you need to have an hour a day, a day a week, and a week a year off digital things. And he talks about in the book, he talks about the story about when they went on a vacation and they left all their devices and how great that was at the end, but how miserable it was at the beginning, you know. But think about that. In your own life, do you have an hour a day that you could walk away from all things digital? I'm not talking about just your phone. I'm talking about music. I'll be honest. Lindsay, if she were here, she'd tell this. I don't think I'm ever in a quiet spot. I've always got to have something playing. And that's a problem. And so I, I go hunting now, and I'm learning how to be quiet again. And, and so I need quiet but how many of us could say, I take an hour a day? I may even say, I take a day a week where I'm just off my phone. Oh, I can't do that for work. You can. You, you probably can. <laughs> I can't say that 100%, but most of us can find some time to step away. And so I think having that, modeling that behavior, talking to that with your student, hey, here's what I do when this happens, and talking through that and communicating. That, that would be the suggestion I would have. I don't know if that answered your question, but it's tough. It's hard. Yeah, I've not been there yet, so I'm not going to speak from experience, but I will speak from what I've seen from other people that have done it well. So I have talked to a lot of parents who have done it well. As you raise your kids, your relationship changes with them. We all know that, right? How you parent your 2-year-old is different, your 12-year-old different than your 17-year-old. Now, you're still the parent, but it does come more to work. I'm, I'm just being honest with you and telling you how it works. Now you're 17. You know, hey, I'm just being honest. You got to start paying for some things because pretty soon you're, you know, so in every area we start to learn how to transition that relationship. And the hope is that by the time they're 18 and they're on their own, they have transitioned that relationship to where you say, hey, I haven't really been your filter for a year. I've been your accountability partner. I've been the person you can come to when you need help. I want to continue to be that. Um, one dad that I know did this really well, he was, he talked to his boys very clearly all the way growing up. They as well did not have phones till later. They as well did not have social media till later. All these things. And when this person turned 18, he said, my dad still has all my codes on my phone. He was, this was, he just graduated college when we had that conversation. So my dad still has all the codes on my phone. 
My dad still texts me and asks me how I'm doing. My dad still can look at my phone anytime I come home, and I, and I welcome it. I thought, whoa, that's what I want. That's the goal, right? I want to tap, type that into the navigation beacon, you know? Send me there. Send me there when my 22-year-old walks in the door and says, hey, Dad, just wanted you to let you know, man, God's been good. I've, I've got some good safeguards in place. If you want to look at my phone to help me out. So I think that's how I've seen it done well. That would be the, when I was saying that, reminding me, the rule of thumb I always have, um, hold off phones as long as you can. Hold off smartphones even longer. And hold off social media even longer. So that's kind of the progression. Now, a lot of times, and, and it's 99%, their first phone is a smartphone. But it is possible not to, for that to be the case. But even when you do a smartphone, that doesn't mean they get social media. Uh, I would really encourage that. 13 is the minimum age for most social media. If your 11-year-old says everybody's you know, on Instagram, um, their parents are, are filling out an account for them and lying about their age because it is still 13. All right? Um, but even a 13 or 14-year-old, the pressure of social media, and you all seen this, Grace and Morgan, um, it, it's, it's a lot for a 14-year-old to handle that kind of pressure all the time. So hold off as long as you can. It's different for girls and boys, though. So I've got boys. Yeah, and I'll come back to you. Go ahead. That's good. Question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of different options out there. You have to look for them, right? Because they're not as popular, so they don't have as much money. The advertising is not as big. But there are options out there. Um, and that's why I say a lot of this you don't hear about because that's not common. And once again, I told you I'm going to say things you don't like. I'm not saying you're bad. If you choose to have a phone and you choose to give social media to your kid when they're 12, that's between you and your kid. My job is to partner and come alongside you <laughs> and help you have good information. And so you can. You're going to be different. You're going to be different. But I'll just tell you, I told one of my staff members the other day, we are losing the battle right now. And so until we start being different, we're going to continue to have kids that look like everybody else. And that's not what we want. It's not what we it's not what I think you want. So.
All right, we got another minute or two. Any other questions? Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think every child is different. Maturity level. You know, it's just like the keys to the car. I'll be honest, my oldest probably could have had the keys to the car at 14. He was he, he drives like an old man, you know. I mean, he's just he's very conservative and we've been driving in the field for years and pro- but law set 16. So we waited till 16 is good. I think some people would be like, I don't want to give my 17-year-old the key to the car, right? And so maturity level means a lot. So I think when that you it is different for different ages. Um, I don't think you bypass some of the rules that are in place. I think that's where we teach our kids when we say, hey, it's cool. They've said this is the rule, but we don't have to follow that. Well, now what am I teaching my child? You know, if there's a rule that says 13, you don't have Instagram, then we need to obey that rule. Now, whether or not you want your 13-year-old to have it is between you and that student and your phone. Um, But I I would not. That's why I've always said um, I don't say there's an age when you need to have a phone. Um, But I do say that I think that maturity needs to be there. Uh, 16. They were, they were the minority. And I would say that, and go back to to that. I think the um, I read something the other day. Somebody was saying, "When when's the when should you give your child a phone?" And they said, "When you're comfortable with them seeing pornography." And and here's the the, the sad stat: ninety nine percent of thirteen to fifteen year olds have seen pornography on their phone. Ninety nine percent. If we asked our students, they would all concur with that. And it's not that they're looking for it; it's that it's so readily available. And if you don't have filters in place where they can't stumble across it, they will. Let's just go to Netflix or go to any other streaming device you have. Tim and I have had this conversation before. Go to any streaming device you have. If you don't have any filters on it and you said, hey, here's the remote, we're gone. You think they're not going to stumble across something that they think, I wonder what that is? Click. And so that's the thing is you've got to make sure even at that age, it's not so much that they would go looking for it. It's that what could they stumble across? And so when you talk about turning some of these things off, not having those apps there, you know, what does that look like? I mean, you can turn Safari off your phone. You know, uh, Covenant Eyes has a search engine that you can load on there that allows it. So there are things you can do. Absolutely. There's all kinds of things you can do. But just realize there's also that real and present danger that's right around the corner on all these things. One more, and then we'll turn it over to Tim. Anybody got anything else?
There's not. It, I mean, I think everything we've talked about, I, I don't know if you girls are seeing anything, but I mean, from us, from what we're seeing with students and what I know, minus what you set on the streaming, you know, the filters you set on there, minus the physical location of where they're seeing that, there's really nothing else you can do. Um, and that's, that's, it's such a part of our world. It's just everywhere. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the filters you can set on Netflix. Like, you can go into Netflix and say, your account, this thing. But, you know, if they, let's be honest, how many of us have a new password for every app? And every, you know, most, I guarantee you, most of your students know your passwords. Um, I, I realized when I encountered that world, and I was like, how did you know that? He's like, I always watch. You always do the same. You go, it, I know it's kind of right here, you know, and he's just guessed it and figured, I'm like, gosh, you know? So I think once there, and he was younger, but I think at that age, it was more just, ooh, I know it, you know? Um, but no, I don't know that there's any tricks on the streaming service, and that's why I said, talk about public and private screens. You know, when those screens went private, they're private, you know? And uh, that's what's hard, you know? And there's the rules. We, a lot of times, and we talk about boundaries, um, here's the number one thing I would tell you for phones and iPads and screens of any kind, they shouldn't be in the bedroom. Shouldn't be in the bedroom. Should not be. Should not be. Mm -mm. Absolutely 100% should not be. Number two, they should never sleep with those phones, devices, whatever. And we all say yes, but I'm telling you, overwhelming percentage in our student ministry of Bellevue who are good kids, their phone is under their pillow probably every night or right beside their bed. Every night. Every night. So just realize that. Once again, I'm not saying you're bad. I'm just saying that is the first thing they, or last thing they see at night, first thing they see in the morning, and probably are up a lot later than you want to think they are checking it throughout the night. So, yep. Yeah, and for those of y'all didn't hear, I apologize, I didn't say it. Common Sense Media, PluggedIn.com is also another one. Uh, both of those are good for filtering movies and shows and those kind of things. The school bus, church, everywhere. And that and that's where I said number one is the communication. It's will your child feel comfortable enough to come home to say, hey, mom, this is what I saw today. And you have to grieve with your child that that image is going to stick with them for the rest of their life. But that's what we do as parents. We're the parent. And we grieve with them and we talk to them and we walk through this. The same as we do all these other issues. And so, uh, once again, I'm not opposed to digital things, but it does expose our, our children to things before they should have to see it. But it is. All right, Tim, did you want to do anything to close this out?
Hey, thanks, Jay. So, so you've got Jay as a resource uh, here at the church. He's giving you his mobile number, but also two other ladies. Real quick, Grace and Morgan, tell us what you do and how could you be a help to the parents in the room? She might be a mom saying, I've got a daughter. I want to talk to somebody about my daughter. Great, please. Morgan and, and Grace, great resources. Uh, so a few quick next steps. And Morgan just mentioned this at bellevue.org slash nextgen slash parents is the page she referred to. It's a mile long of phenomenal resources this team has placed on there. There's a whole section about uh, screens and internet filtering. It's right there. You can get it at forward slash next gen forward slash parents uh, great resource hey also there's one uh, bellevue.org forward slash family uh, that's where you can find all the fight for your family information for younger kids game changers up there right now that says that the number one predictor of your your kids spiritual health is them reading their bible on their own when they're young tons of information on there we have a facebook page fight for your family does you can go and join that page we're trying to post stuff all the time on there to keep you updated as parents also, it's another next step is to join a life group where you can be around other parents. If you're not in a life group right now, please consider joining one because that's where you can be around others who are dealing with the same thing you're dealing with. You can pray for each other, talk about it, keep each other, you know, challenged and accountable. Uh, you hear things, things like Common Sense Media. And so please check out life groups that are for you. And finally, come back next week for the talk, the money talk. So next week is about how to make sense of family money. Big disagreements happen over money in marriages, and uh, so please come back. we got a really great guy, Tom Tonello, who's going to speak on this, and I think it would be a lot, of, a lot of fun for you to come back and hear more about it. Would you all stand with me, please, and um, we will pray us out. Again, thank you for being here. Jay, thank you. He's a continual resource, uh, so please reach out to him. Let me, let me pray us out. We'll go get our kids. Father, we praise your name. Thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, thank you for all that we took in tonight. And God, would you help us as parents? slow our lives down long enough to find the time to really dig into what Jay's taught us tonight. Lord, you've given us children, so please equip us to parent them well in a way that would bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you.